In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Probably because I have sung it from childhood, I look forward every year at Thanksgiving to singing the hymn, Come Ye Thankful People, Come. The first verse evokes the warm and cozy feeling we get, especially as children, when we think of the pilgrims and their native neighbors sharing relative abundance and security after the colony's first difficult year. It also makes us think of being around a heavily laden table with dishes we love and people we love. Not necessarily in that order. Come, ye thankful people, come. Raise the song of harvest home. All is safely gathered in, ere the winter storms begin. God our Maker doth provide for our wants to be supplied. Come to God's own temple, come. Raise the song of harvest home. On one level, thanksgiving is indeed about remembering and giving thanks for the relative abundance and security that most of us enjoy. This is very important. Nevertheless, what we give thanks for goes much deeper than that. We hope so because our material situation, our physical security, and our ties to others are subject to change and even reversal at any time, as many both here and throughout the world can attest. St. Paul reminded the Thessalonians of this in today's reading. Just when we say, there is peace and security, Paul notes, cataclysmic change may occur, bringing destruction from which no one can escape. The Thessalonians were probably primed to hear this because of their sadness over recent deaths among them. In last Sunday's reading from this same letter, which occurs just before today's reading, we gather that the congregation's faith and hope had been shaken. Like Paul himself, they had joyfully anticipated experiencing together the imminent return of Jesus. Several of them had recently died, however, and some of the survivors apparently began to lose heart, worrying that those who had passed away might not fully share in the promised kingdom. We, the church, have saved this letter for almost 2,000 years and continue to read it, for one thing, because it reflects our situation of fearing that our hope perhaps has been in vain, that we and those we love are not secure after all, we can all relate to that. But we've saved and cherished this letter even more because it offers an antidote to our fears, namely the gospel, the good news of salvation in Christ, for which above all we are thankful. That's the deeper level of our thanksgiving. Paul assures us, as he assured the Thessalonians, that we have nothing ultimately to fear. And we need to just try to wrap our heads and hearts around that from now until the end of our lives. <laughs> There's ultimately nothing to fear. Well, I've been told, by the way, that in the Bible it says 365 times, fear not, <laughs> do not be afraid. If everyone saw the Bible that way, we'd be better off. 
God will take care of those who have died, just as he will take care of those still living on this earth. That's what Paul's writing about last week. And, and uh, he says that together we will be raised to new life in and with the Lord and with each other, which will never end. The Lord's own resurrection is a pledge and foretaste of what is to come for all of us. And therefore, Paul urged this congregation, and he urges us, encourage one another with these words. Hope, it's there. Likewise, in today's reading, the, the sequential reading, Paul writes to his sisters and brothers in Christ that they are well prepared for the upheaval that the day of the Lord will bring. As children of the light, they will put on the breastplate of faith and love and for a helmet, the hope of salvation. God has destined us to live eternally with Christ, he says again, and therefore he urges the Thessalonians to encourage one another and build up each other as indeed you are doing. In the good news of the gospel, he emphasizes, we have a truly solid, truly unchanging basis for our lives amid the changes and chances of this world. We have God. We have each other. We are bound together in eternal love. There's no need to be fearful. Today's parable of the talents highlights the stark choice that faces us in light of this good news. One choice is to be like the third slave who out of fear seeks illusory security by burying what he has received. He is so afraid that he does nothing constructive with this considerable amount that has been entrusted to him. By the way, a talent, uh, we estimate, is roughly the equivalent of 15 years of a laborer's wages, a good bit of money. Um, so, but, but this poor guy, seeking a false security, uh, burying the talents, ended up with nothing. This parable, uh, may, the parable makes clear that this is the way of death, sort of being motivated by fear. That's one choice. The other choice before us is to be like the first two slaves who enter into the joy of their master by taking extravagant risks with the even larger resources entrusted to them, secure in their master's obvious confidence and support. They weren't afraid of losing uh, what they had been entrusted with, and, and their confidence paid off, their faithful stewardship paid off. But it it's wouldn't be prudent, I suppose, in today's world uh, uh, to um, venture as, as much as they did, but they did get a great return. But what I think they represent is the exuberant, fruitful life of those who take risks for God's kingdom, knowing that they are secure, no matter how much in the short run they might win or lose. They have the master's confidence, support, um, so they invest freely. Jesus tells this parable, one commentator said, in the middle of his own high-risk venture. He could have stayed safely in Galilee, 
But at this point, he was in Jerusalem. This is toward the end of Matthew. And he's about to lay his life on the line in his mission to reconcile all people to God and each other. Our, we, we know from our faith, we know from what many witnesses tell us, we know from our own experience that this risky venture of Jesus's paid off hugely. Now, it may not have seemed to at first. Uh, many could not see that through this sacrifice and triumph, joy had come to all the world. But Jesus kept acting out of faith, not fear, but faith, hope, and love, even though he must have been tempted to let fear get the better of him. He not only experienced resurrection, as one Eucharistic prayer puts it, he revealed the resurrection, not just at the end of time, not just um, in the context of eternity, but also the resurrection as in new life that comes from offering ourselves completely in union with Christ's own sacrifice for the sake of God and God's kingdom. The new life, the risen life, consists of that offering ourselves along with Jesus to the glory of God. As a commentator put it, this parable is ultimately about living. It is about investing. It is about taking risks. The greatest risk of all, it turns out, is not to risk anything, not to care deeply and profoundly enough about anything to invest deeply, to give your heart away, and in the process risk everything. The greatest risk of all, it turns out, is to play it safe, to live cautiously and prudently. The world tells us to live cautiously and prudently. Some think the church does too, but this parable suggests otherwise. The gospel wants us out there on the edge, um, taking risks that we're called to by God. Thanks to the solid foundation Jesus has laid, faith can overcome fear in our lives, and this frees us to live fully and abundantly. We can give as never before, not simply out of a sense of duty, but because we love as God loves, caring deeply for his people and his kingdom. We're caught up in that self-offering of Christ out of love. We can follow our vocations, our callings with this secure basis, come what may and cost what it will. One a good example of a personal calling is Christian marriage. And some of us, many of us have been called to that. And I would say that's one of the riskiest steps that anyone can take. This one among many. It's a huge leap. And yet we do it in faith and confidence when we're called. And as a parish, as a church, I would say, we've lately sensed a heightened calling to put ourselves on the line a little more, to get more involved in relieving the sufferings of those around us. More of us than ever are engaged in pastoral care of many in many forms, but caring for each other in sickness, trouble, grief, and so on. And through our partnership with St. Francis House and through other ministries led by our Matthew 25 committee, we are increasingly drawn to help those who don't have the material abundance and security that many of us 
enjoy. Today's gospel, we should note, comes from Matthew 25. And next Sunday's gospel, from the same chapter, is the reason the Matthew 25 committee was named that, because it says things like, I was hungry and you fed me, I was thirsty and you gave me drink. That part of the chapter gets to the heart of the risk-taking outreach to which Christ calls us. We are also called, of course, to share the treasure of the good news directly, evangelizing for the spread of God's kingdom. And we Episcopalians do believe in that and do that. This is what we are about when we seek to draw others into our congregation and diocese who might find here the life-giving message they need. We have been entrusted with all this treasure. And the only fitting response is to give, is to minister. We give God thanks and praise for the true security which allows us to give our lives away in loving service. We give God thanks and praise every time we celebrate the Eucharist. Uh, let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It is right to give him thanks and praise. In the Eucharist, we are offering ourselves in response to God's self-offering in Christ. Of course, we have Thanksgiving Day, which it reminds us to offer thanks and praise. But every single day of our lives, we offer our, our daily ourselves as, uh, as a way of thanking and praising God in sure and certain hope that in God's good time it will pay off, <laughs> that we will have abundant life with God as a result. Thanks be to God who makes this possible through our Lord Jesus Christ and by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. <laughs>